Are you looking to take your sports knowledge to the next level? Along with movie reviews, gaming advice, and tech news, well, you're in the right place. Welcome to the BHB Trilogy Podcast with your host, Beast, Hot Sauce, and Buckets. Welcome to the BHB Trilogy Podcast, episode 20. We're here with AJ Johnson, also goes by the name of The Faded Ape. Played football in college and was recently a science teacher at Celtics Academy not too long ago. Since then, he has ventured into authorship and entrepreneurship. So, Mr. Johnson, can you fill in the blanks on your background info? Yeah, I can. Um, so, I was once a child who uh, was thrown to the miss the football. It wasn't a very smart choice. I wish I could have done some other things. But uh, it taught me a lot about world and just how people operate. It's pretty cool. And um, from there, I learned science because I always had an interest in maybe being a doctor. And I started to realize the, the difficulty of being a doctor. So uh-huh. I transitioned into teaching as like a stopgap to figure out what I wanted to do. And I came upon um, South Hills Academy. <laughs> so why science teacher at South Hills Academy? Uh, at the time, I thought science was one of the most important things to know. But uh, I had a misinterpreted. I guess, guide of how science actually worked. Uh-huh. And teaching science and liking science are two totally different things. I was unaware of that in the beginning, but I know what time you learn, and then, uh, yeah, you just kind of learn. So why the short term? Oh, why the you, short you term? You didn't get through, like, half the year. Uh, I was not very good at the job. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, really, I just wasn't very good. Uh, I'm kind of against authority in that way. I'm kind of a rebel. And I, it was a good decision. <laughs> uh, can you tell us about what led you to start your own business, the Faded Eight? So the Faded Eight was an idea I had for some years. Um, I just thought it was a cool name from Bathing Eight or something like that. I don't find that. But um, the, it it came from the the quarantine. I realized I didn't have a job. Uh-huh. I was substitute teaching. And um, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Just sit around and wait till the world opens back up for me to start a job? I'm like, no, I got to figure some stuff out. So I had already been reading and kind of learning. I read a book on Twitter called Conquering Fiverr. And it opened my mind to just the amount of opportunity there is in the world if you choose to use your imagination and just think for yourself. So, you know, you have the next question? Um, what can you tell us about your fitness stuff? Uh, my fitness stuff. So, uh, I believe that most of society has fitness incorrectly done. Like, we're doing it in the ego-driven way to basically promote numbers. To, like, look better? Yeah. Well, it's not just to look better, but it's their, it's an inflation of our ego. So, you want the biggest bicep because you saw Arnold Schwarzenegger with this huge bicep. Or you want the biggest okay. squat number. And it's just all ego-driven. But it's not actually how the body has been evolved to work over the yeah millions of years that we've been on this planet so so why like the like the mace and the other like unconventional stuff that you use so um the oldest activity in humankind is probably swinging heavy things or swinging clubs so you gotta think about swinging heavy sticks or clubs Probably came before language, came before writing, pottery, any of that stuff. Because humans are crazy, wild creatures, man. So they're probably going around killing each other in the true state of nature. So the first thing you have to do is learn how to defend yourself. 
And hands are great, feet are great, but the ability to use a club gives you the ability to leverage power without using like this huge heavy weapon, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So your body is designed to swing heavy things through time and space. So by doing that, like it makes your body operates in six different planes and most of the workouts that we typically do are within two, if that's making sense. So you're usually going up and down or left to right. And when you're swinging, you're moving through multi-dimensional thing. You're also adding torque. So is that what flow is? Like when you say like, uh, like, this, like this morning you had loud flow, <laughs> what is that? The flow is a sequence of simple movement patterns that connect together in a uh, way where you're not using like your strength. So when I'm flowing, very little muscle is being used. It's just simply my body allowing the weight moving through air, and I simply snatch the weight uh, when it's at the easiest leverage point for me to be able to manipulate it. And you keep doing that with simple patterns. And it's just like basketball, when you're doing a crossover, it starts with the step with the heavy, then you shift your weight to the right, you slowly get your guy to go over to the opposite side, you come back, and you step. You're flowing through the move, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And that's what makes Kyrie and other guys who are so good. They're so precise with the simple steps in the movement that they just flow into wherever the position of space they want to be to execute whatever they're trying to do, their skill. So, can you tell us about the bows and arrows? The bow and arrow? Uh... It's just like when you throw a rock and you hit something that you're trying to hit. It's this innate good feeling that you get. Like it's something primal. I can't really explain it unless you do it a couple of times. But the more you fire, it's just, it awakens something within the the brain. It gives you this dopamine rush. Like, because everybody's played like video games or they've done sniper stuff. Uh, so and like you, shoot you feel them, like powerful or something? Yeah, you feel powerful. Because you're oh. like, oh, I can kill from a distance. Like I'm lethal now from different places. Uh-huh. So it just opens your mind. You get this hunter mindset, and it really allows you, like, you just look like the world becomes this big game, big, like, target zone. Yeah. So when you when you shoot an arrow on your, uh, what is it called? Blue thing? Oh, oh my, uh, you try yeah, the dummy. Yeah, because yeah. I saw you doing that. Is it hard? <laughs> uh, so you want us to continue from the last question? Yeah. Uh, no, you got to ask it again, Eli. The books. Oh, can you tell us about the books you're reading? Yeah, so I started reading um, many more non-fictional books. So things about sales, um, traffic and following, marketing, design, how these objects and how these logos influence and shape the way that we look at commerce and services and products. Because as much as we don't want to admit Appearances are everything when it comes to humanity. So the better you get to understand how certain colors trigger us, it teaches you, yeah, you just understand more. And I've been reading more about humanity, how we came to be the animals that we are. Yeah. Is it? Well, I mean, oh, just, um, I've been reading this book, uh, I forgot where we left off, <laughs> Sapiens. It was it was about, um, like, how how we were, like, all LeBron. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then I was talking about like why we changed. There we go. So, um, yeah, an early man was a physical specimen. So they were all these great athletes. They were all just basically a bunch of LeBrons that were able to shoot. They understood nature. They understand which mushrooms that we can eat, which plants are edible, which things were going to kill you, the dangerous spots to go. They understood their area around them like the back of their hand. They were masters of their domain. 
But what happened was you can't really do many technological things because you need mass cooperation with humans in order to grow a civilization like we had. So since humans are naturally social creatures and social beings, we started to develop agriculture. We started to develop ways to make food sustainable. I have a question actually for Mr. Johnson. I know yeah. that I actually wrote that book as well. And in that book, they talk about the fact that farming actually was a big detriment to the human because it now made it now made a consistent menu instead of the variety that it once had. Yeah, these are the facts. Oh, these are definitely the facts. Um, yeah, when we started to have these cycles of foods that were always coming into our body, it changed our gut biomes and it changed the way that. We function as humans. So we started to now do labor, more manual labor. Uh, we were more sedentary. People didn't wonder and go about as much. And as a result, you got a change in the, the input. You're going to get a different output. So we got different humans as a result of that massive change. And we see the same thing today. Like most people can't cook. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that most humans can't cook in America. And as a result... We uh we eat out a lot, and since we eat out a lot, we end up eating a lot of processed foods because it's very expensive to eat gourmet steaks and uh, top of line foods. So a lot of people just volunteer to take fast foods because it's just easier. And as a result, if you eat more processed food, you begin to look more like a processed human. Yeah. Do you believe in like um, so like you know when you get sick, and you know like. The Native Americans or like the early people, they put like medications from like the earth. Do you believe that like actually help? Like, you know, there's like stories, right? From like people that have got lost in the woods and then they get help from the people in the woods and then like they get medically treated differently. Uh, yeah, I think the human body has the ability to heal itself if uh, kept in the proper condition. So um, if you're constantly training, you keep yourself nice and strong, you eat right for the most part. If you get a different virus that gives you a... I mean, there are some things that are just going to be automatic killers that you just can't do anything about, poisons and toxins. But you give yourself a better fighting chance and you can use natural remedies because at the end of the day, all medicines and all these pills and things, they're all creations of natural um, compounds and plants that are found within nature on its own. They're just broken down, condensed, and purified in their most um, concentrated form. So I believe a lot of properties that we have with these plants and things that we eat can pretty much be healers. It's just a matter of making sure you're doing the proper due diligence by training, keep your body nice and healthy prior to you getting sick. Nice. So obviously 2020 has not been a, a good year. So what are your thoughts on coronavirus? And 2020 as a whole. All right. So my thoughts on coronavirus. Um, The coronavirus is a natural phenomenon that we normally see within nature. When a population gets too dense and there's no natural predators and there's there's too many resources around, Uh the only other way for the population to be kind of scaved off is by basically disease. So do you think it was like, you think it's like as serious as everyone thinks it is? Because I know you're a science teacher, right? Like you should know that. Well, it's definitely serious. I mean, it can kill you if you're not properly equipped to survive. But I don't believe it's any more serious than the flu, 
or car accidents or deaths from alcohol. Like in this whole nation, we have a huge epidemic of more people dying from uh, pharmaceutical drugs on a normal basis. Like on an everyday basis, people, that, more people die from pharmaceutical drugs than the coronavirus has ever killed. But we don't do anything about it. Drunk driving kills more people. Car accidents kill more people. So I think we're just merely picking and choosing the battles that seem convenient for us to fight. And I mean, it's just a disease. Like if you get the virus, it's just like any other cold virus. It, you're going to be sick. It's not going to feel good. But if you drink water, you rest and you sit back, you probably shouldn't die. You have no pre-existing health effects. So do you wear a mask everywhere you go? Uh, yes, I do just to comply, but I don't really see the point. <laughs> do, do you think it helps like bring a mask? I mean, yeah, it's going to prevent a little bit less, but I mean, you can't safety proof the world. It's impossible. Yeah. So if you go into a place with a bunch of people inside of it, mask or not, it's just likely you're going to get some type of contact surface, no matter how safe you are. And then even when you're just walking around on your skin, like people don't understand, most of your body is made out of bacteria and things that don't, the things that are not you. Uh-huh. So they're like, like, I think it's one out of six cells is actually one of your cells, the rest are bacteria, fungi, and an assortment of other things that just happen to be microscopic organisms on your body. So, like, you're not, right now, America is like, we're happy, we have like the highest coronavirus toll, right? Do you think Americans are just dumb? I don't believe that's true. I think China is just much higher. I think they're definitely lying about their numbers. You think so? Possibly. Because, like, like, we. We have the most, right? And, like, a lot of Americans, like, just don't want to wear to wear a mask. But, like, all the other countries, like, they wear a mask, and now it's, like, all down. But ours is just, like, continuously just going up. Well, America is a little bit more different than most countries. Uh, like, as opposed to most countries, they're much more spread out, except for, like, India, places in China. But America has very, very dense cities and a lot of the, the epic centers of where the virus is spreading. Uh-huh. So that's gonna be an effect. Like you can't. There's no way to desanitize like downtown LA. No matter what you do, you it's impossible to keep that from spreading. Same thing with Florida, other high traffic areas. It's an impossible task. That's why I believe China's definitely lying about their numbers, just because they have like a billion people in the like a fifty well, a crazy mile radius, and you're telling me this is the epicenter, and you guys have way less sanitary measures. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys have less numbers in America. That makes no logical sense. So I'm pretty sure they lie about numbers. But even then, I mean, it's what happens with any type of uh, organism. If you have too many within a area, something has to limit the population. So do you think Trump has a uh, impact? Uh, no, I think it has very little. I think most presidents have very little impact upon the world. Most presidents, like Trump, what Trump has experienced is basically the choices and, yeah, basically he's experiencing what the choices was of presidents two generations below him. So mm-hmm. he's experiencing what the choices of Bush and Obama did. That's what Trump is now experiencing. And the president after him is going to experience what Obama and Trump did. So, because like, the world doesn't operate on this day-to-day basis where everything, it's its a bunch of trends that were created from things long before you had any control about it. So, I think you guys have the next question. What's the best advice for kids and teens? I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? The best advice for kids and teens. Uh, advice. Oh, I wrote something very good for this. All right. 
So most people give kids basic advice like try your hardest, do this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's good and all, but it doesn't really apply. So I gave a couple, I think it's 10 things that you could take action on today in order to give yourself the best chance to be successful for the rest of your life. So the first thing I would advise is learn how to play chess. That's going to um, teach you many more life lessons than most things can teach you. I would also recommend start listening to classical music, jazz, and alternative music. Uh, it's not that rap is bad, but rap is very loopy. And as a result, you don't get this different type of uh, experience as when you listen to classical jazz because it's just taking you through a story you never know where it's going to lead to. Mm-hmm. So your mind's activated in a different way. It's not just getting you used and hooked onto the same repetitive noise. And you get to expand, experience, uh, you get to learn the person's personality much better. So you just listen to jazz all day? Jazz, yeah, classical and um, alternative. That's it? That's it. A little bit of rap. Like, I'm very, very uh, picky with the rappers I choose to listen to. Um, what rappers see. do you listen to? I've been listening to uh, this one guy, Cam Robinson. That's my new favorite rapper right Cam now. Cam Robinson? Yeah. He's my favorite rapper right now. Uh, that's pretty much it, really. Really? Yeah. So just jazz, classical, alternative, Cam Robinson. And then some that like kind of spring up on my uh, my discovery for weekly for Spotify. People got to use that. They're not used to Spotify the way it's supposed to be used. If you start going through the different rails and you like different things, it gives you this crazy assortment because there's so many people and artists that you can you can't you can never run out of music to listen to. So uh-huh. even though you might love a song, you should really not get used to listening to that same song repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again. I don't what think if it's, it's good for What if that's like your favorite song? I know, that's the problem. It is our favorite song. That's it's like an addictive like Dopamine drop. Like, we just like that song. Like, like we can't listen to it a bunch, or? You can. <laughs> um, so, Mr. Johnson, can you maybe elaborate on your thoughts on how music impacts your thinking? So, to your point, in that you loop it through, right? So, your mind, if I was to ask you to memorize a number, most people would just say that number over and over again. Once or two. So, now you have music going into your mind off constantly. So, me and uh, Manuel had this conversation as to be careful what you listen to, be careful what you put in your mind constantly. And a lot of this society's ills are because we put such negative thoughts constantly in our head. So if I, if in the songs we degrade women, it's going to be naturally that I'm going to naturally degrade women if I'm hearing that constantly. These are facts. I, I really started to take this series more in the quarantine because I found myself listening to the same songs and I would get stuck and I would have these creative just dead spots where I'm like okay why am I not nothing's going on I'm not getting more inspiration but when you start to apply different sounds because you got to think about the average human being as humans evolve they didn't get to listen to the same song repeatedly over and over and over and over again mm-hmm. music was like this thing that was like a special occasion so you only got music maybe a couple times maybe once a week twice a week at that if somebody in the, the band knew how to play a song or knew how to play something or sing. Yeah. So, like, we are over-spoiled with music, and a lot of the music industry has taken advantage of, like, young people's minds and that dopamine effect of, like, oh, I like that beat. And they just keep looping it, which is not bad. I mean, it's, it has its time and place, but you shouldn't repeatedly keep throwing that in your brain. And by recent, he's talking about the last 50 years or so, 60 years. I don't even know. <laughs> it's not, like, that far away. Wow, I didn't know that. I just figured it was like a couple like dec- like maybe a decade. Uh, That's wild. Or you, yeah, you can listen to music whenever you want to. 
These are facts. Yeah, the CDs and things. And then it's even just the streaming. Everything is so crazy. Just so much access to your your brain. Uh, let's see what else I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter, all those books are great. I'm not going to fight against them, but kids need to read a lot more nonfiction and uh, start listening to a lot more audiobooks. If you don't want to read, listen to audiobooks when you go on a walk, listen to podcasts. But you got to get these books in. You got to get this these wise people's knowledge because... No dummies ever write books. I never, no, met, I never met a dummy who wrote a book. <laughs> so if somebody writes a book, that means they, they live something and they thought it was important enough to sit down and take some time to write the book about it. What are you writing about? Like? Right now, uh, I just wrote a book uh, about the savage, uh, the human, yeah, the curious human guide to savage fitness. Uh, basically just a philosophy guide on how to train and how to uh, be fit. Like a savage? Yeah, like a savage. Uh, let's see. And I'm also writing this other book, the Dope Human book. I've been working on this one for about four or five months now. Uh, it's a process. It never feels like it's done. But I'm just trying to teach people how to become dope. How to be the best possible version of yourself. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Where can we get the book? Oh, um, gumbro.com slash the faded eight. <laughs> Here's a website. Yeah. And that's where you can get the book? Yeah. Gumroad.com. I'll give you guys a link uh, so you guys can check it out. Uh, let's see. Buy a kettlebell, young people. So if you, I would recommend a kettlebell, maces, a club. Learn how to swing heavy things. It's going to give you a massive advantage when it comes to your functional strength. There's so many different applications you can do with a kettlebell. So I recommend kettlebells. Also, learn how to fight. How to fight? <laughs> yeah, learn how to fight. You got to learn how to fight. That's a critical thing. Not because you're going to use it against other people, but it gives you a sense of confidence that you don't have to worry about violence when it inevitably does come to you at some point. Because people who know how to fight typically know how to stay out of fights. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a pretty big correlation. Those who train in black belts in jiu-jitsu almost never get in a fight. So it's a preemptive thing. So you kind of have to stay lethal to make sure you stay peaceful. Um, yeah, start to create things. Um, don't consume as many things. Start to create. Um, find something that you enjoy and figure out how can I create more content? How can I improve that? Uh, creation, people get happy when they create things. There's a dopamine rush that can't really be explained. Mm-hmm. But the more you create, the happier you are. And you also stay busy. You have a mission. You have something that you're always doing. And last, use social media to promote and monetize your creations. So stop using it as a passive user and start being an active user. Start making things so people come to you because people follow the value. If you provide value to people, uh, typically money comes after. So that was AJ Johnson's best advice for kids and teens. And we're going to take a break. So here's a word from our sponsors. The BHB Trilogy Podcast with your host, Yeast, Hot Sauce, and Buckets. We'll be right back. BHB Trilogy Media, if you're looking to bring your story to life, to bring life into your marketing campaign, BHB Trilogy Media is what you're looking for. Expert storytellers, complete digital marketing department. Visit bhbtrilogy.com for more information. Dexter's Technology, if you're looking for custom software development, Custom apps, application integration, technology solutions for your business, 
You find a partner in Dexter's Technology. Visit DexterSTechnology.com for more information. Back to the show, the BHB Trilogy Podcast, with your host, Beast, Hot Sauce, and Buckets. All right, welcome back. We're here with Mr. Faded Ape. And you like go ahead? What book has had the biggest impact on you? All right, so the biggest impact on me. There has been a couple, but I'll just say two. Uh, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Uh, it terrified me because I realized how humans started to really interact and things that you always have these subtle conscious ideas and thoughts, but he fully expressed them. And he used his historical um, stories and backings to, to basically prove like, how these different lessons are true. So it's a great book in order to learn how to move about the world, how to gain power, how to gain respect, and how to make people generally just like you. Because people like powerful people because typically you can't be powerful unless you serve and benefit other people. And like, a, like an artist or something? Sorry. Like, a, like an artist? like a Yeah, to some degree you have to provide value to other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So the more value you provide to other people's lives, the more influence you have to other people. Now, if you have a bad influence on people's life, like gangsters and other bad people, at some point, somebody will come to take your power and come to take you out. But if you go the good route and take good choices, you make, like Elon Musk or uh, Jeff Bezos, if you provide value and you give a lot of things to people, what happens is you become powered by association of, like, goodness. So mm-hmm. people realize, we don't want Bezos to die because we lose a bunch of good things that Bezos brought to the world. Same thing with Elon. And that's really what power is. It's about people becoming... Interdependent upon you based upon the skills and services you help provide or give to them. So, you've taken a lot of zigzags in your life, like football player and now, and like medical. So, like, can you tell us, like, what happened? What's led up to now? So, I always had this, um, this, I guess, not a drive, but this this thing I wanted to understand more. Like, why, what's the purpose of being here? And so I figured I'd go and i do the hardest things that I could find, at least to the extent of my knowledge. So at the time, I thought football, oh, this is one of the greatest things. People love football. They watch football. I want to become a great football player because then I would draw the admiration of other people by playing this sport. But I understand, like, as I got older, that's simply just glory. And glory is very fleeting. It fades in time. So in order to be great in football, you always have to be constantly playing football. And football is going to slowly destroy your body over time. So you can't just... You have to figure out something else to do besides things that just provide you temporary glory. So then I thought about becoming a doctor because I thought it was a uh, admiral profession. But the more I started to learn about the financial obligations, the politics of the game... It became less and less of a uh, reality just because it, it's not a very good option, really. Why not? Well, they, they actually go into a considerable amount of debt to do an extremely difficult job, which you can't really do the job until you actually get to being a doctor. So it's not like you have this thing where you become a doctor. Like, say you want to become a graphic artist. Yeah. You just start designing. And then over mm-hmm. time... Eventually, you get better at graphic designing, and then you're going to be able to start your own business. 
Now, with a doctor, it's not the same way. They tell you, okay, if you want to become a doctor, you have to go to school for four years and make all A's. And then once you make all A's there, you got to then go to medical school and make all... I mean, it's, it's pretty... It's a serious job, though. Like, you're, like, working on people... But here's the problem, though. We all know, at least as you get older, that knowledge that you gain through school is not the same as the application of that knowledge in practice. So I can read for 10 years about surgery until I actually do a surgery. I don't know how good I'm going to be at a surgery. I don't know if I can stand the squeeze of blood. I don't know if I can stand if I have somebody's life in my hands. If I'm not going to stop trembling. I don't know if I'm going to actually not just blank out. Like, there's a bunch of factors you can't consider until you actually practice. Until you actually do it. Yeah. And so, I started to realize that, like, okay, I'm going to school. I'm doing all these things. I'm stressing myself out. But I don't even know if I'm going to want to do this job. And based off what I hear from other people who become doctors, they don't seem to please. Like, the way we treat our doctors is not very good in this country. So, do you like Oh, wait, did he, did he have another question or no? Oh, you did want he, to... <laughs> didn't Eli have another one? Uh, another one? Oh, the podcast is right. Oh, what podcast? What podcast do you listen to? I listen to a lot. Um, as of now, I've been listening to three on the main, mainly rotation. Uh, Joe Rogan's, which is always a great one. So many different guests, so many different avenues he explores. So I love listening to that guy. I've been listening to Jocko. Uh, yeah, Willick. Yeah, I love his thing. Just about the accountability, taking control of your life, being accountable. Because that's a big problem in the world. We know a lot of people who try to be accountable. And uh, the last one I've been listening to is Daily Mind Medicine uh, by Taylor Welch. Uh, right before the quarantine started, I joined this program called Inbound Closing. And I learned how to become an inbound closer. It's basically just somebody who sells via the phone. Uh, with scheduled calls for like high ticket offers but this guy basically turned his life around like four years he went from making like $30,000 a year not making anything really about to have a family and to now become one like a 31 year old basically multi-millionaire who can retire a bunch of times over and he's one of the biggest traffic and funnel um, creators on the planet what does he do? so he does a couple things um he was an inbound closer, which is basically, say you're really good at graphic designing, mm-hmm. and you want people to, you want to sell your service to people. Well, just because you're good at graphic design does not mean you're very good at selling your service. You gotta understand how to connect people's brains to understanding. I need this guy's service, so that's why I come in. I'm just the middleman that helps bridge the gap between the buyer and the consumer. So I'm kind of like a end zone running back. Okay. <laughs> and so anyway, yeah, this guy he made a course. He taught. And he does this, this like four-minute podcast every morning where he basically gives you daily mind medicine. He gets your mind started right. I listen to it every morning. Uh, and this gets me started for the day. So now we're going to get more like into AJ's life. Go ahead. So I know you're a big fan of Mac Miller, right? So uh, can you tell us the impact he's had on your life? And I remember that day that he died. He came into school and you're all sad. Yeah. He, was, he was like, it's a tough day for me. Yeah, um, yeah he was, uh, he's about my age. I was about my age. I grew up listening to his music since I was in high school. And it was just cool to see his rise as just an unknown kid from Pittsburgh who ended up becoming this beautiful artist who made not just rap music, but he was bridging into other 
territories of experimental art. And it's just beautiful to see because a lot of people get the money, they get the fame, and they just, they don't, they stop producing anything of any substance. Uh-huh. And he didn't fall that way. He kept making, touching music, music that was new, music that was experimental. He didn't just keep riding the same wave of his past. And it hurt to see him die because it's like, damn, here's this guy who did it. He he did the thing that every young man wants to do. He got rich, young, had all the access to all the fame, the glory, the money, anything he wanted. And yet he could still not find happiness. So it was very, very, um, it was a lesson that even if you get everything, you have to understand yourself because the structure would eventually self implode. You're going to blow up at some yeah. point if you don't control this thing inside in your, your brain. So, Eli has the next question. What was the biggest song that had the biggest impact? Oh, Conversations Part 1. Uh, it's my favorite song. It's like my number one repeated song on Spotify. I listen to that song a lot every morning. And yeah, he just talks about... Uh, a conversation he has with himself. Like, we all have our conversations with ourselves. Uh, yeah, it just... It's what's a good favorite, message. Uh, what's your favorite project? My favorite project by him. Hmm. I would say Faces, the mixtape he created, uh, like in 2000, I don't know, 10 or 11. That was a huge... No, that was probably later than that. Definitely like 2015, something around there. But yeah, that was a huge project because it was just him in his most manic, uh, depressive state, drug fueled, and it's just like the most raw version of him. And it was very interesting to hear him how he looked at himself in that particular stage. Kind of sad too, but yeah, it was interesting. What does faded mean in your name? Ah, the Faded Eight. See, most people think it's a drug reference, but it's not a drug reference. It's actually much deeper than that. So I had a trip to the Natural History Museum. Uh um, And while I was there, I looked upon this statue, not a statue, but this model of a skeleton called Lucy. I don't know if you guys know what Lucy is, but Lucy is an old ancient human skeleton from, I don't know, 1.3 million years, some ridiculous amount of time ago. And as I sat there, I looked at it in the face. I was like, wow, that's going to be me. Yeah. And humans will look at my body and they'll say, oh, that, that was a faded ape. It was an ape that lived and now it's gone. It's faded. It died. And so the faded ape, like as an idea, just a business, is it's about leaving something greater than yourself that's going to benefit humanity, that contributes once you have faded away. So it's what you're going to leave after you're faded after you're gone, pretty much. That's what it basically means. So it's not a drug reference. No, not a drug reference. So, <laughs> so your dad is a Hall of Fame CFO linebacker. See. So was he one of your motivations to play football? Uh, Yeah, to a degree. Uh, I wanted to mimic what he did. But I mean, it's like this. It's one of the things that 48 Laws Power. You can't really mimic what the father has done. You must go and trail your own path. Mm-hmm. And so when I really thought about it, I had some time to get away and just reflect. I realized if I kept trying to be a football player, kept trying to go that way, like I'm never going to be him because he's a different human being. He had a different motivations and set of ideas and time and space that he existed in. Yeah. 
And it's kind of ridiculous for me to hold myself to that standard. Like the best I, even if I did do great, I was one of the best players ever. The best I could ever be is maybe a Hall of Famer at that. But he was like the best player of his generation. So unless I become the best generation of his of my time, which the odds are not very high that happening, likelihood is just, I'm just going to be in his shadow. So it made no sense to sit there and continue that tradition. Yeah. So what about your brother Austin? My brother is not... Because he was, he was pretty good, right? Like he was he's solid. Good. Not as good as my father because, like I said, he had a different set of circumstances by which motivated him, which motivated him to play. But my brother, I, he tried to play. But I mean, it's, it's the politics of the game. The football is not a game where the best typically get to play at all times because there's so many different influences. There's so many different impacts and things that are going on. That even you can't isolate one player. It's very difficult to just isolate one guy and say this guy's the guy who should be the man. Because mm-hmm. it's a team sport. So, so he just plays Madden all day. These are the facts. I'm trying to get him off though. I'm trying to get him off. Uh, Eli. You're currently one and zero in your MMA career. Can you give us the details from your first fight and the post interview? And the legal move. <laughs> Uh, so that fight, uh, it was something that has been on my bucket list for some time. And I always wanted to test how well I would deal in that particular situation. I had never been in a fight with a... Um, like an organized fight? No, just a fight, period. I've never been in a, or, I've never really? been in a, Yeah, never, I mean, I fought my brother. But I never had like a fight where I really had to like really beat somebody up. I never had that situation occur because I've always been smart enough to just not put myself in a situation where I need to be in fights. Uh-huh. I mean, the best general never fires a weapon. Isn't so, that? the best general never fires a weapon. Uh, what does that mean? It means you win by diplomacy, by uh, politics. You put somebody in a position where they never want to fight you, it's a smarter way. So, you save your energy and you still get the same outcome. Uh-huh. 48 laws of power, I think. That's one of the rules. But, um, yeah, it's something I wanted to test myself. I wanted to see how would I react in that particular situation and what's it like to face death? Because essentially what you're doing is you're essentially battling somebody to the death. And then the referee stops it before death occurs. Uh-huh. So I wanted to try it out. I did it. It was an amazing experience. It's, uh, did you get a rush? It's more than a rush. You see yourself from a third-person perspective, if that makes sense. So it's almost like you're watching yourself. Oh, okay. It's like an out-of-body experience to some degree. And, yeah, so I finished the fight. And... It's very difficult to understand and process what just occurred to you uh-huh. until you get some time to separate and you realize, holy bleep, like that was... Because like, you made that jab and you're like, yeah. you hit him where you're like, do you want to hit him again? Uh, no, I was tired. I was really, really tired. I wanted to get out. <laughs> I was done. <laughs> I was not going to come out that second round. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's exhausting. You don't realize how exhausting combat is until you get thrown in that situation. And, and then like... He had you in a chokehold, right? Like, he had you? Yeah, he probably so should have finished what was going him. through your head? Like, were you panicking? Or? No, I wasn't panicking because I always knew, like, okay, well, he just chokes me out and I just tap. So I always knew I'm not going to die. Uh-huh. I'm not going to take any facial damage. So I figured, okay, let me just get around. If I can get around, I take myself out of that position. And, yeah, it's I had not that much training. Maybe, like, three or four months of training, which is purely jiu-jitsu. Maybe about two weeks of striking. And yeah, it's I was too, way too naive, way, way, way too naive of the realities of what a physical conflict like that is. 
So if I would go into it again, I would be much more prepared and have a much better ability to be able to fight. But yeah, it was awkward. The whole transaction with the, uh, like you said, with the how's the in interview? Yeah, I was faking it. Uh, I thought that's what was supposed to be cool. Like, oh, I'm gonna be this wholesome guy, and like realistically, you should have just been out like a wrestler. Uh-huh. I shouldn't be like the Rock, just talking crazy nonsense. All right, because that's really what sells. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they like you or hate you, as long as they tune in. So it's much better to take the bad guy role in publicity, because it's much harder to be the good guy. Because everybody wants to be the good guy. Yeah. So can you explain the legal movie too? A legal move? Um, I accidentally elbowed that guy's nose. So I think I broke his nose very badly. Um, I wanted the punches. I threw. And I didn't realize it, but he kind of like shaved his head. They moved. And as he moved, my elbow came across and definitely um, clipped his nose. And I felt very bad for that because yeah, I heard from a friend that he had to get like surgery and get it like fixed. Dang. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh my God, this is legitimately a scary sport. So is that why you stopped? Is that why yeah. It's craziness. It's madness. People who do that for a living are out their mind. Well, you get paid a lot, though. No, not enough. <laughs> There's easier no? way. There are easier ways to make money. <laughs> so, this is this is your uh, MMA bio. I'm stronger, <laughs> faster, and smarter than all you bum fighters out there. Get ready for a real one to run this game. I'm the main attraction. You're talking to a Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, <laughs> son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time. Holding these alligators down. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Are you aware of where that came from? You told me that was from Ric Flair, right? Yeah, Ric Flair. Because I, I realized if I was going to come back to a fight again, and people see my profile, that's way more interesting than, hey, I'm a biology major. And, uh, I'm trying to test myself. So you got to make it more interesting. People like characters. So why the name Big Johnson? Uh, I did not have a good name at the time. And one of my friends said, you should just put Big. That'd be funny. Big Johnson. I'm like, oh, Big Johnson. <laughs> so he put Big Johnson. That's the, the origin. So you played football at Dixie State. Correct. So you went you went from LeBron to Dixie or Dixie? No, I went from uh, a school in Missouri to El Camino to Dixie. Then I went to LeBron. So can you explain that journey of like what happened? Uh, okay, so I went to Missouri, did not like living in Missouri, because it's Missouri. Uh-huh. And then you, you had those Facebook videos, right? Yeah, terrible Facebook video. Very young kid, didn't realize how terrible... I have those, but I don't want to show them, because they, they're not that they have some explicit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the journey, uh, yeah, Missouri, didn't like living in Missouri. I went back home, went to uh, El Camino. It was a junior college in Torrance, so right by the beach. It's very nice. Learned a lot there, became much more of a man. Uh, a lot of competition. It taught me how hard work really does pay off in the long run because you're going to have to compete. So, whoever puts the most work in over time, you're going to get the, you're going to eventually get what you want. You make your own luck. So, uh-huh. I made my own luck, got another scholarship, went to Utah in Dixie, and I, I didn't flunk. But I had a two point something, two point one, but I had like two D's. And that made my GPA like you had that at least a certain amount of credits. So basically flunked out. Uh went back to junior college, got the grades up, then I transferred to Laverne. So that's what happened? Yep, that's basically So but, but didn't you say um 
You said because you, you got a D, you couldn't do something. Yeah, I flunked uh, physics and chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in all fairness, uh, I was taking calculus, biology classes, and trying to manage football, not realizing that you can't really do all of those at the same time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, with hindsight, you probably I probably would have not done that. But I just figured, okay, it's just classes. I'll take the classes. Who cares? But because of those failures, I learned. I got twice as much exposure to physics, chemistry. And as a result, I got much better at chemistry, physics, and all these other things because I got exposed to it most, more. Yeah. So uh, this is your Dixie State, but I want to see, like, what's changed. So uh, your hopes were to go to the NFL or the medical school, obviously. Yeah. That's not <laughs> happening. So, and then your biggest influence are the makers of NCAA and Madden. Because that's where you went from. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Definitely not uh, the same. <laughs> so, uh, and your most memorable sports moment was fumbling the ball against your biggest high school rival. Once again, trying to be a uh, weird ego thinking. I thought that if I like showed that uh, me failing was my biggest moment, people would think, oh man, this is a cool guy. But no, you should, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so, you don't watch sports, right? You told that to me, like you don't watch Very sports. little sports. If anything I do, it's mainly I watch fights. It's just fights? Just fights. And it said your favorite team was the Falcons? Uh, yeah, back when Michael Vick was... Um, the man. Yeah, and then sadly I realized how cutthroat football is. And they got rid of like, literally the whole team that I loved uh-huh. for like those two or three years. So then I realized, okay, well, sports is a very... Un- it's a nasty business, especially professional sports. It's very cutthroat. Much like all businesses, but especially sports. And your favorite athletes were Ricky Williams, Barry Sanders, Ray Rice, and Harry <laughs> right, right, right. and Arian Foster. <laughs> all right, we can take Ray Rice off of there. <laughs> uh, the other three can stay. Well, not, not so much Barry Sanders anymore. Why not? Well, just as a human being, he's not that interesting. I mean, he's really good at football, but I like yeah. interesting human beings. So, and your favorite musician is Currency. He's still one of my favorite, but not my favorite now. And then Empire of Sun. I did like Empire of Sun. I'll tell you that. Very good. What is that? I've never heard of that. Empire of Sun. Uh, I'll show you after. They have a lot of good tracks. Very, very wavy. Very nice music. And then your favorite movie was The Chronicle? Oh, Chronicle, yeah. Do you know what Chronicle is? No. So Chronicle is basically a story about these uh, three boys. They go into a cave. They find um, this crazy source of power, and then they get tele- telepathy. Or telekinesis, I call it telekinesis. And it just shows what their lives happen after they get telekinesis, and it all goes crazy. Many things, I don't want to ruin it, but it's a very, very good uh, good movie. Most kids will like it. And then your favorite actor was Kakashi Sensei. Oh, the guy from Naruto, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then author Richard Dickens. Richard Dawkins. Oh, Dawkins, my bad. Dawkins. I have many more now. Many more. And then your book, The Greatest Show on Earth. Great story. But not my favorite book anymore. But that's just one of the books no? I read that was impactful during that time in my life. All right, so. Hold right, on, let me fix this. Get a little bit. Now I'm going to show you some pictures with no context. Go ahead. You got to explain what's happening. You fine? Please, please, please. I like uh, random things. Do you breathe that everywhere? 
try to when I go out places. Special water. What? So there's a different type of water. Uh, micro water. It's like pH 9.5. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Like, no, there's different types of water. So most water that you drink. So is, has, this, is this good water? Uh, Not better than mine. Most water you drink is bad water. Mm-hmm. So is it, what's your water? It's uh, pH 9.5 water. It's been like purified. It's like alkaline water. So it's like all the impurities have been taken out. It's just pure micro water. So I can like brew tea. Like if you have a tea bag, mm-hmm. and I just pour my water and put the tea bag in. It will make tea. So the water you drink is mixed with a lot of different other stuff. And then it combines with your body. That's why you kind of like can't just chug your water. You start to feel queasy inside. Yeah. Yeah. So mine doesn't feel like it just hits straight to the body. You're like, whoa. It just instantly gets absorbed. Really? So you can check that? Hmm? You can check that? Yeah. But you gotta pee a lot more, that's the only problem. Uh-huh. Ready? Mm-hmm. This water stuff is very serious. Very, very serious. Do you still play video games? Sadly, no, man. Only game I play is chess now. Ever since I got that bow, it's very difficult for me to play games. It's not the same. Yeah, real used life. To, used to, like, be absent from school and then be streaming like Red Dead. <laughs> I know. I didn't know any better. There's better games to play though. I should become an adult. <laughs> you get like business games where if you do good at your business game, you get money as a result. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. We were in the comments and then he, he like he was playing and then he said something from the comments and then he just stopped streaming. <laughs> <laughs> he just got. <laughs> Oh, reckless days, man. Reckless days. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Welcome back. So, AJ, I'm going to show you some pictures with no context. And you're going to have to explain them. So, first picture, this one. Alright, so that is me after the MMA um, bout. I was uh, greatly perplexed. I'm like, why are all these people cheering? Just yeah, the whole thing. Sad, like. Well, because it was such a strange thing. I'm like, what's going on? Like, this is such a bizarre, bizarre thing. Like, I almost killed this dude. And I don't even know who he was. <laughs> now, like, the whole fight's over. I'm tired. Uh-huh. I'm just sitting there really thinking to myself, what just happened? Like, this is such a crazy experience. Such a crazy, crazy. It makes no sense, logically. So, it's just me so, perplexing what's going on. Our next picture. What's happening there? Uh, so, this picture, I had done a movie in college. Uh, I did it for a friend. They asked me to be a homeless man for him. So, I'm eating an apple. <laughs> that That's a dirty tra- apple, too. That's yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's not. They put some heat on the apple so it looks dirty, so it looks rusted. Oh, but so you had to eat all that? It was pretty good. It's tahini with an apple. That's a lot of <laughs> So, anyway, yeah, that was uh, Matt. That was an interesting scene, just being an actor for a couple of things. I don't have, after that movie, I don't have any respect for actors because. Why not? Because their job is easy. Bro, oh, anybody can be an actor. Yeah, you just, every time you mess up, okay, refilm, refilm. And so you get like 100 tries to do it right. So even mm-hmm. if you suck, like, you get 100 tries to do it. If you can't figure out 100 tries, I don't know what to tell you. So, this is, this is another second time. <laughs> Especially if you're getting paid millions of dollars, like I don't get it. Millions of 
millions of dollars in acting. I mean, but like, what if you have to cry? Then you cry. <laughs> you tell me you can't cry with a million dollars in a line? That's true. <laughs> you get bunch of, a bunch of chances at it? Get out of here. It's not like now, like, now thespians, those people who do Broadway, those people, I respect those people because you get one shot. You have to do it live. Huh? Yeah, you got to do it live. Uh-huh. So that's different. That's a whole, that's a skill. Yeah. You got to convey emotion. You got to do it not just live once. You got to do it live like 15 times. So that, much more different. But movie actors, get, that, get out of here. What are you talking about? That's why theater, theater actors are. They get mad. They're haters on them. Huh? I say, yeah, those theater uh, actors, they hate actors. Theater. You go to theater? Uh, I think like once. I'll there. I was like a kid though. I need to go and see uh, the Book of Mormon. The Book of what? The Book of Mormon. What is that? The people from South Park made a a Broadway called The Book oh. of Mormon. But apparently, it's like one of the greatest Broadway shows ever. Are you at? Yeah. All right. So our next picture is from the same thing. Yeah, so this guy gave me a sandwich. I got to eat that sandwich actually after we were done with the film. That was my pay. <laughs> that was your pay? You didn't yeah. get paid? Yeah, well, it's a free it's a free college but we ain't gonna pay. I just wanted the film. So what's he doing? Just slapping it out of your hand? He's like, yeah, he slapped the apple out of my hand and then he gives me a sandwich afterward. What were you thinking, like making this film? You were like, Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> never once never thought that this was cool. I just thought, okay, this is maybe something I can use in the future. <laughs> For something. I don't know what it's going to be useful for, but I got some acting experience. So, our next picture is a tweet. Can you read that? Yeah, these are facts. I swear if my mom was a dude, it would have been hands on sight since 17. I still love her, but damn, okay. <laughs> yeah, moms, they, they get on people's nerves, man. They are like uh, these bundles of loves that can't stop loving us, and they're blinded by their own love. They don't realize how sometimes disrespectful they are. So you can't do anything because it's like it's your mom. What are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel like that too. <laughs> so like this is our next picture. This was your Facebook profile uh, picture for a while. Yeah, sad, sad, sad. So that is me in college as a football player in my apartment. Uh-huh. I think we might had a a night of fun. Night and, of fun? Yeah, and I decided to take out my ukulele. What'd you do on that night of fun? Uh, there were things of adult beverages being passed around, yeah. and many cheers and uh, happiness and smiles. <laughs> and then, um, this one? Oh, this is after a game. So we come back home from, I forgot which game, maybe like Canada. Yeah, and I saw this bear. I said, hey, get a picture of me on this bear. It's be a funny thing to put around. And look at it. I got this memory. And then you had another one, right? You're in a shoe. <laughs> I think so. Possibly. I don't have it, but like you have. You have I got a couple on my computer. I got to go back and look. And then this is from another college oh, project. <laughs> I don't have the video. I, I wish I had the video. Uh, that is from our physics project. We had to show how reflection of mirrors changes the angles of a concave or convex Mirror uh-huh. and basically, uh, I was supposed to be Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know who Medusa is, that is the, the the ancient myth monster. Like this woman had a bunch of snakes on her head uh-huh. and turned men to stone. Yeah, and that's you're, me. you're just like ah. 
Terrible, man. Terrible. We got to be on that project, though, so. A B? Yeah. And then this is right after. This is this right is after it. your last day. Let me see. What does it say? So this is my message. <laughs> yeah, man. I got fired. Right, can you can you explain what happened? Because you say you got fired, and then you say okay, I, so I'll and then you say I did it before I got fired, and then. so um, you can feel the energy of when you're going to get fired. I've been fired for enough jobs as a youth to understand when my time is almost up. Oh wait, what have you worked for? Like, what have you worked for? Did so many different jobs. Uh, you were you're a golf guy. Golf course, libraries, uh, tutor, referee. Teacher, summer school teacher, robotics teacher, uh, list goes on and on and on. So many jobs. But at some point, I always realized, like, man, I don't want to do this job anymore. At some point, I realized I got to go. So I start setting myself up in the future so I make sure that I'm not just booty out of a yeah. job. Uh-huh. So uh, I peeped that I was going to get fired because I had a really bad interaction with, uh, I guess, the owner of the school. Or can you explain what happened when you went for that basketball game? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had... One of the teachers was supposed to cover me for the basketball game, and I was not covered. And I went to the basketball game, and kind of just left my class unattended. Now, they were high school kids, and there was only about 20, 30 minutes left of school. But I guess you are not allowed to leave kids alone in school for 30 minutes. So as a result, uh, I was almost fired. And from there, I realized, yeah, I'm probably going to get fired at some point in the future, so let me make sure that I'm not in trouble. Make sure I at least have a job, because I've been fired with no job before. Scary times. Don't want that. So yeah, uh, I saw the writing on the walls. I knew at some point I was probably going to be fired throughout the year. So what happened? Like, you got back and then they're all mad at you? They're like, what the Yeah, heck? I just got a call the next day and I came to the office. And that was like a couple months went by. I wasn't fired exactly for that. But I just also, I wasn't very good at the job. Just give me off myself. Uh-huh. I wasn't good. Why would I be good? I had no I mean, experience. It was weird. Like, they, they had you as art teacher, like middle school, and then yeah. they gave you high school. Yeah, it's a bunch of different things. Like, it's a very tough position. I really feel so bad for anybody who has to do that many gigs. You get to switch classes. Yeah. So you learn, and then you realize, okay, I'm probably going to be fired at some point. And, yeah, I realized I set up some plans. I had a job in the background, so in case I ever did get fired, I'll be all right. And then when they fired me, I was like, oof, that's a relief. So they actually, wait, so they actually fired you? Yeah. You told me they didn't. You told well, me no, they didn't. that was the, the – I basically – Long story short, it doesn't matter anymore now. Uh-huh. But basically, we just made up to an agreement. Like, I'll say I quit. I get fed. They say they fire me. I get my benefits. Just everybody they wins. didn't want to make it look bad? Yeah, it's a mutual benefit for everybody. Uh-huh. So they get the publicity of looking better. I still get what I want at the end. We all win. That's funny because we had a meeting with Mr. Klaus. <laughs> he was like, he left. Yeah, it's he the didn't politics. Say yeah, it's the politics. Because why? It will look bad. If well, not look bad, but it'd be like, damn, you got rid of the one guy that people, the kids kind of like. Yeah, that's true. So you gotta play the political game, and for me, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna fire regardless. So why not do him a favor so it pays me off in the long run, in the future, rather than blah blah blah. blah you, you take the emotional route. So it's just chess game. That's why chess is so critical. The better you play your chess moves, the better you're off in the long run in life. So was it the day you left that they fired you? Yeah, it was that day. So I got called in during lunchtime. He's like, we have to let you go. The uh, owner doesn't want you to work here anymore, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's cool. He's like, really? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I kind of expected it. He's like, oh, well, thank you. This is the nicest firing meeting we ever had. It was very nice. We had a good handshake. He signed me a letter of recommendation. We went about our way. I remember that. You were yeah. cleaning up and you were uh, smiling. 
Yeah, well, it's just a new challenge in life now. And that's all life is about. You take these new challenges. Some things don't work out. Some things do work out. And you just keep it moving. So why don't you explain this picture? Uh, that is our last game of football. And I really did not care about football at that point. It was at that point that I realized football is kind of irrelevant. And the skills that I'm learning from playing this sport, it's not that the skills are relevant. Like, it's good to be fit. But the things you should take away from football are the man management part. Yeah. Dealing with other human beings. How to deal with somebody that you, that's your superior that doesn't really know what they're doing. Learning how to just deal and navigate in life. So it's way more of like a microculture of how life works because you're all working towards a goal. It's like any organization, any business. The organization, the business works as a team to achieve some type of goal. Mm-hmm. And within that team, you're going to have people you don't like to work with. You're going to have people you do like to work with. You're going to have people who fit your skill set, people who don't fit your skill set. You're going to have superiors who you think you should be better than, that you should probably have their job. You're going to have inferiors that are better than you that you think are eventually going to take your job. So you get this whole aspect of different things, and you just learn how to navigate humanity. So that's the real lesson of football. So I'm going to show you two more. So Go ahead, go ahead. This one? Oh, that is me at uh, the laziest in my life. Yeah. I don't that. So that was like beginning of the year. Beginning of the year. Because you're in you're in the, the classroom. You know, like the first class. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's me and uh. Yeah, just not having any idea what the world is really like. My ma- my brain was not open up to the matrix yet. So, but like, what's happening? Like, why are you looking at the camera like that? Oh, I was just trying to be weird. <laughs> just trying to uh, get you guys to stop taking pictures of me. So if I take weirder pictures, hopefully you guys will stop taking pictures. But no, it actually is the opposite. It's the opposite, yeah. <laughs> so, this one. Uh, oh, I think I was supposed to be, uh, what's that dude's name? Cyborg? Yeah, Cyborg for like Halloween. Or and then, I remember you like made us run in circles to make, to like be cells or something. Wait, for what? To, like, go in a circle and, like, be cells. I think that might have been right. Yeah, that was a, dude, that whole thing is just a whirlwind, that entire year. So many lessons. I always reflect upon it. You've learned so many more things about this life and how your actions affect everything within a school. Like, that's the weird, weird part about it. You start understanding how influence and stuff works. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of young people, they should take a year just teaching just to understand how they're perceived. Because, yeah, my brain starts to work differently now just because that year of experience. All right. That's all the pictures. So thank you for being on our podcast, Mr. Faded Ape. And signing off until next time. This is Hot South Beast and Buckets, BHB Jersey. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the BHB Trilogy Podcast with Beast, Hot Sauce, and Buckets. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And for more great content and to stay up to date, visit bhbtrilogy.com. We'll catch you next time.